Welcome back to Disclaimers Aside, a bi-weekly podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisara Amadou, and let's dive into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to another podcast episode. Today I wanted to talk about the art of modern day performative activism. I've had this podcast topic in my notes app for a while as an episode that I wanted to talk about here on Disclaimers Aside because I think it's something that I've seen a lot of over the years and i've just been waiting for the perfect time to record the episode and typically with these solo episodes where i have a specific theme to them i like to come up with an outline i like to sit down organize my thoughts but for today's episode we're just going to be chatting so it may be a little bit of stream of conscious it may be a little disorganized but i just wanted to speak from the heart on this episode and just discuss modern day performative activism. So before we get into the meat of the episode, my unpopular opinion for this week has to do with today's topic and it's that I feel like we need to remove the pressure to be 100% educated on everything going on in the world. And I think we also just need to get better at admitting when we're wrong. This is something that I see a lot in people my age is like people just do not want to admit when they're wrong or do not want to admit when they're misinformed or not as educated on a specific topic. Anytime someone does admit that they're not educated on a specific issue, I always find it refreshing even though that's the bare minimum because I think a lot of the times people, it's an ego thing, people don't want to admit that they're not educated on something and so they'd rather bullshit their way through conversations and just find a way to say a whole lot of nothing when they're talking about serious, serious issues that are going on in our society and it just, it does such a disservice to whatever issue they're talking about. I think it promotes a lot of misinformation and I think it also just promotes the idea that we can't learn and grow about specific topics and so we obviously want to be informed but don't put pressure on yourself to be informed about everything because every single day we're learning and growing. We're learning about things that are happening in the world and it's okay to admit when you're not fully conscious about something. So what is performative activism? I feel like if you're on social media, this is something you've definitely, definitely heard of. I want to share a definition that came up when I googled performative activism and online it says it's supporting a cause or issue to garner attention, support, or monetization from others rather than actually caring about making a difference in the cause. This behavior often aligns with the good Samaritan ideal or for some the white savior complex, which the white savior complex could be an entire podcast episode in and of itself. In today's age, people can really get caught up in the idea of wanting to be an activist without actually putting in the work to educate themselves about the issues that they're standing up for. You know, one of the things that I really want to highlight in this podcast episode is I feel like the label activist shouldn't be used as flagrantly as it is. I guess that could be a unpopular opinion in and of itself, but I feel like everyone these days wants to call themselves an activist without actually doing the work that is required to be an activist. It's a word that I think denotes not only a genuine passion for the cause, but also the time and effort and the dedication that goes into it. So I want to talk about 
my relationship with activism and my first experiences kind of getting into activism and what kind of drew me into activism you guys know i'm black i'm muslim and these are very marginalized identities living in the u.s so i think naturally when you're born into a marginalized community activism is a way for you to express your frustrations about the world around you it's cathartic it's a way to find community it's a way to kind of learn about ways that you can improve things on a societal level for people like you and so i've always been a huge admirer of activism as a black muslim woman in the united states i think traditional senses of what an activist is is typically we would think of going to marches and going to protests and holding a sign at a protest and so i remember the first protest that i went to was my sophomore year of high school this is when i first kind of grappled with what it kind of means to be an activist and i remember my sophomore year of high school it was in i want to say 2018 2019 that was the year of the parkland shooting and among some of my other peers in high school i went through this kind of shock because school shootings have been have always been something that i've seen on the media and that i've known happens to people of my age on a daily basis shootings are just such a huge part of americans daily lives because of the lack of gun control in the u.s but i think it reached another level of shock seeing people my age on social media on the news just in the media in general experience a school shooting to that degree and i guess just seeing people my age organizing and standing up for more gun control in the u.s And so my sophomore year of high school, my friends and I, just a group of us that were all just experiencing a lot of outrage in that moment at our country, got together and we started organizing. We started a club on campus. I can't remember the exact name for it, but I remember it was just basically, it was supposed to be a club that was going to be organizing on campus to spread awareness about how shootings have been an epidemic in the U.S. and to promote movements for gun control and so we all got together and we wanted to organize walkouts and protests to follow some of the national movements that were being organized by our peers and i remember in that club in high school i got involved because of a genuine outrage in where our country was heading how young americans have been conditioned to associate something as basic as going to school every day with fear organizing around gun control for me came from fear and anger and outrage but i remember in that club there was so much drama at my high school because people who wanted to get involved in starting the club and organizing the logistics around how the club was going to function were arguing over and fighting over leadership positions when we were establishing the club on campus and things were moving very quickly because we were trying to organize protests and walkouts and at the same time while we were trying to establish the club and figure out who's going to be president and who's going to take on leadership roles and i remember there were dedicated meetings where people were arguing who was going to get what which position people were upset because a certain person was recommended to be to get a certain position and other people wanted to be on the quote-unquote board i went to a 
pretty competitive high school growing up and so a lot of people were motivated to get involved with the club and to get involved in organizations with the sole desire to have something to put on their college applications in the next year or two and looking back on that time I feel like that was one of my first experiences in seeing performative activism in action. We ended up starting the club. I think it ran, I want to say, for the rest of that year. And it pretty much died out by the end of that school year. But that was one of my first experiences with activism. And I participated in a school walkout. And I remember it feeling so liberated. Mind you, I went to high school in Orange County. It was a very, very Republican school. So that club and the people involved in that organization were definitely going against the grain in a lot of ways, but it felt very empowering to feel like I could exercise my First Amendment right for a cause that I genuinely, genuinely cared about. Flash forward, my senior year of high school in 2020 when the pandemic hit, that is when we experienced a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement with the death of George Floyd in the spring. And then also I remember the summer after graduating high school, the Palestinian liberation movement also experienced a resurgence. So first of all, starting off with the resurgence of the BLM movement, when people were going out and protesting in all of their different cities, I wanted so badly to be able to go to a BLM protest, but unfortunately at the time my parents would not let let my sisters and I go, even though we wanted to go so badly because it was during the pan- pandemic and at that time vaccines weren't weren't really a thing, so we didn't get to really experience that. But then flash forward later into the summer when things kind of progressed, I don't know if I had my first dose or my parents kind of laxed out on the whole quarantine thing, but I was able to go to a Palestinian march that was happening in Orange County. We marched, we had signs, there were speakers. Assembly is such a beautiful thing. Protesting in community is such a beautiful thing because not only are you are you gathering with all of these different people for a cause, but you're also engaging with different ideas. And I think it can be so empowering to go to a protest and not just support it online or on social media, reposting graphics. But it was during the pandemic, it was during the year of 2020, where I really saw modern day performative activism become such an epidemic, especially amongst my generation. And what I mean by that is during the resurgence of the BLM movement, every single day people were posting all of these graphics about BLM, about black issues. It almost became like a cat and mouse game of people who weren't posting were getting called out by each other, which at first I remember feeling so excited at the idea of it because in Orange County, it always felt like whenever some a racist scandal happened at our high school. Accountability was never a thing. And for once, it felt like in my little hometown that people were being held accountable, but it fell into this trap of people only really posting so that they wouldn't get called out. That is disingenuous. We fell into a cycle of people reposting the same graphics every day, people posting graphics without actually engaging with the content, but just to make sure they have something to post on their story so they don't get called out by people. People posting things without actually reading and engaging in the content. People posting certain graphics over others because of certain aesthetics. We just got to a point where activism 
in a sense, because of social media, almost became devalued. It was just, it was a weird time. And it was interesting, I think, to see how when once the movement kind of died a little bit on social media, once it became less trendy, and once once people stopped calling each other out for not posting a graphic that day, people eventually slowly stopped posting about what was happening on their social media platforms. I think it's challenging because on the one hand, people should be held accountable, but on the other hand, I think when we're holding people accountable to that degree, it almost incentivizes performative activism in a way that takes away from the movement. I think it's also, it also makes it a lot easier for people to post graphics on their social media and say, hey, look, you know, I posted a flyer about what's happening in Palestine right now without actually doing the work. And this is something that I talked about in my Black History Month episode because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of corporations or organizations or just entities in general on their social media platforms will kind of just post a graphic because it's Black History Month without actually doing the work to uphold and unlearn and rewrite history in the way that social change requires. Social media should be a tool for sharing information, for people to engage in discussions and to to reflect the movement that's already existing but without that heart that beating heart of the movement existing social media in terms of activism loses meaning and i think this becomes even more compounded when being an activist identifying as an activist has social currency which is i think the place that we're kind of in in our society at least amongst the gen z generation is being an activist and being woke has social currency in a way that makes the role of social media in activism very disingenuous. I feel like being called an activist is just one of those things where if you have to call yourself an activist or if you feel the need to label yourself an activist, I almost want to say you're not really an activist because it's not about you, it's about the causes that you're supporting. You know, looking at other people's or just Taking a healthy look at our own social media presences, I think it's important to just make sure that when you're posting about a current social issue that you're actually engaging with it and engaging with whatever cause it is that you're supporting by posting a graphic on your social media. Don't post a graphic on your Instagram story unless you're actually doing the work to learn about what is happening behind that graphic. In general, performative activism really at its core comes from the gap between what someone is presenting to other people versus their actual actions and what they're doing behind closed doors. And so I guess one of the questions that I think often is brought up in conversations about performative activism in terms of social media is even though performative activism is inherently a bad thing can it also have a positive impact so for example one of the examples the main examples of performative activism is posting graphics even though you don't actually know about the cause and you're not actually doing the work to support that cause or changing your actions on the one hand it can be argued that when you're posting graphics does benefit the cause in the way that it spreads awareness about a specific issue that's going on. And while I think that is valuable 
I think also there's a lot going on on social media and when everyone is posting a million graphics every single day, when people are consuming social media, when people are clicking through stories, they stop reading the graphics. When there's an oversaturation of people posting all of these graphics, people aren't actually reading the messages behind the graphics that you're posting. And so that takes away from that value and it takes away from actually spreading awareness for the cause that is so important and that needs that reach. And that's why I think it's so, so important to do the work and not just post on social media but also carry that into your day-to-day lives obviously this can be really hard if you're a busy college student but if you're posting about a cause that you actually care about on social media for all of your following to see that should carry into your daily conversations with people for example something that's currently going on there's a lot of people posting about it right now is what's happening in iran with the iranian revolution If you're posting that on your stories, in your day-to-day conversations, you should be talking about that. You should be asking people, bringing it up in conversations. Hey, have you heard about what's going on in Iran? And if they say no, that's an opportunity for you to inform them based on what you've learned online or from other people. And that's a way to spread awareness in a way that's almost even more impactful because you're having discourse about this ongoing issue and it's guaranteed that there that the information is actually spreading versus when you're just posting on your social media and people are just clicking through your stories and not actually engaging with the conversation that's currently going on. It's also a way to gain other people's perspectives that you may not have been able to see or that hasn't really been represented in main discourse online. It's also a way to possibly get people involved in a more tangible way. Having an eye-opening conversation with someone on a social issue that you care about could ultimately lead to that person becoming committed in a very important and necessary way. A huge form of performative activism which is called virtue signaling. So if you haven't heard the term virtue signaling, again it's basically where you publicly express an opinion to demonstrate how woke you are without actually doing the work behind that. So an example of this would be posting a black square on Blackout Tuesday, but in reality, you have no black friends, you're committing microaggressions on a daily basis, you have these internal biases that you haven't done the work to really address. And I feel like that can be really, really harmful, especially coming from the perspective of a person of color or someone speaking from a marginalized identity because I feel like social media identities do really shape people's your perception of people especially in Gen Z and especially in college too because you know before you come to college everyone's like posting their profile they're posting all these pictures you stalk each other on Instagram you maybe might DM each other and then you meet in person when you come to college and they're a completely different person than the person that they're curating online. Or you see their social media presence and they're constantly posting all of these graphics and have so much to say on their social media, on their Instagram stories, but then in person, it's crickets. I feel like it can be really harmful because in the past, I've definitely had experiences where people have seemed like these social justice warriors on social media that are very socially aware about black issues, Muslim issues, what have you, and then you talk to them in person and their biases just all of a sudden come out and it's like you're not expecting that based on the social media presence that they're 
curating. And I think it also just puts people in a place where they're able to use their social media presence almost as a form of defense against criticism of their own internalized biases. I want to talk about performative activism in through the lens of organizations because going to Berkeley, this is something I've seen so much of, especially because at UC Berkeley, there's a organization for everything. The organizations here are notoriously difficult to get into and people use organizations almost as social currency people are involved in like 10 to 12 different clubs and they have all of this stuff on their resume that's essentially fluff because i feel like so many organizations on campus present this front of doing so much for whatever community they're claiming to serve but then behind the scenes they're actually not really doing much and i think when I came to Berkeley, it was almost a little bit of a culture shock for me because I came from Santa Cruz where I felt like the things or the orgs that I was involved in at Santa Cruz, they were a lot of work. I wasn't involved as nearly as many orgs when I was at Santa Cruz, but I felt like the things that I was doing was taking up a lot more of my time. And so when I came to Berkeley and I saw how many how many organizations they had here, at first, I was I was shocked and I was excited at the prospect of getting involved in very niche issues and serving very niche communities. And then the more time I spent here, the more I realized how much performativism goes on in some of the orgs on campus here. Not all of the orgs, but some of the orgs. And this can kind of look like virtue signaling in the sense that they claim to be doing all of this. They claim to be serving a certain community in xyz way but in reality they don't get much work done and i think another experience that i've had slash seen with organizations on campus here is in terms of their diversity and what i mean by this is i think you can really learn a lot about an organization by looking at their board they can claim to be diverse in whatever sense but if you truly want to see if an organization is diverse look at their board and see how diverse their board is how many different colors and faces you'll see because general members regardless of whether there's criteria to become a general member that's one thing but to be on leadership for an organization is a whole different thing a lot of the times you'll see organizations with little to no diversity on their boards And it's really disheartening, especially as a black woman on campus, even in spaces that are meant for marginalized communities, there is still even more barriers to opportunity for certain marginalized communities. And I think that can be just very disheartening, especially at one of the top public universities in the country. And it's so funny because whenever it's like Black History Month or whatever, their social media presence may reflect a certain thing, but the practices behind closed door are completely, completely different. And this, I guess, is where I think the damage of performative activism can kind of be seen in a very clear way. Do better. If you're in a position of power or privilege in any organization or institution and you have the opportunity to be more representative take the initiative to actually do that because while in a lot of ways we can't really control large-scale institutions like the mass prison industrial complex we can control the culture of our schools the culture of our organizations 
in a way that can combat things like racism, Islamophobia, colorism, sexism, etc. I feel like another issue with performative activism is how it can also intertwine with cancel culture. Again, I am all for people being held accountable, but I feel like a lot of the times cancel culture to a certain degree can actually distract from the original cause that we're trying to have conversations about. I think rather than focusing on canceling certain people, for example, going back to the example that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode of keeping track of who's posting a graphic every single day when a certain hot button issue is going on, instead of focusing on aspects like that, focus on uplifting important voices that are central to that the current conversation of whatever social issue is going on. I guess the moral of this podcast episode is stop making social justice issues a social media trend. I should honestly title that this episode. I think I want to end off here. I feel like I've kind of shared everything on the top of my head when it comes to performative activism. I truly think it's an epidemic and I truly think that people, especially in this generation, need to critically analyze their relationship with performative activism and just critically think about other people that you might see on social media that somehow have something to post about every single social issue going on but then when you interact with them in person it's crickets and in, and just in general the last thought i want to leave you guys with is we're not perfect i'm not perfect you're not perfect we're not going to know everything that's going on in the world and i think probably the worst thing that you can do as an ignorant individual is to pretend like you actually know and speak on an issue as if you're educated so please don't do that please stop just admit when you don't fully know or are not fully educated on a on a specific topic because it can become an opportunity for you to learn and grow from other people rather than you spreading misinformation. That's pretty much it for this week's podcast episode. It was a little bit of a short one, but I hope you guys enjoyed. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. If you guys don't follow Disclaimers Aside on Instagram, you guys should definitely join. It's Disclaimers Aside, no caps, no space. The link is always in the show notes, and I will chat with you guys in a future episode. Bye. Bye.